Welcome back to the QEH podcast, the place to find out more about the school and to connect with staff, pupils and parents at a deeper level. Each week we'll be interviewing people within the QEH community, asking them questions and spending time understanding them and more about the school. Now today we're joined by Dr Mark Dutton, Director of the Scholars Programme at QEH. Mark will tell us all about the programme, when students can get involved, what's involved and why it's so valuable. Now, Mark is extremely passionate about the programme and his enthusiasm really comes through in this episode. It's great to hear about some of the extracurricular and enrichment activities he gets the scholars to engage in. But we'll also hear a little bit about Mark's own education and his isolation cookery classes. So let's jump right into this episode all about the QEH Scholars Programme with its director, Dr Mark Dutton. Mark, welcome to the podcast and thank you for being here. How are you today? Fantastic. I've just come from my year 10 uh, class and of course I haven't seen them for, for three weeks because of Christmas holidays and so it was great to be with them again after a very long inset day yesterday and, uh, and great to just dive into teaching some Shakespeare and starting right off with, with the Scottish play which uh, those who are not superstitious can call Macbeth and uh, it's just absolutely <laughs> brilliant to just be right back in the classroom and, and you're talking to them again after having to you know just read their work and refer to them sort of you know anonymously for the three weeks so yeah wonderful to be back. Lovely. Well, it's really good to be here. It's good to be talking to you. I mean, because here we are in this first week in January, on Wednesday, the 5th of January. Tell me a little bit about your Christmas break. What did you get up to during that break? Um, despite all the, the travel restrictions, as a Canadian, I'm, I'm just excited about being in, uh, well, I still consider us to be in Europe. So I spent the first week in Rome, which was lovely uh, with my family. I used to live in Italy. I lived in Italy for about a year and a half. And it was lovely to be back you know, in the sunshine, of course, but also lovely to be back in, in that hustle and bustle of, uh, of Italian life, despite all the restrictions that are, that are on. It was lovely to have that immersion and, and just really, really, really lucky. And then I was also able to spend some time with uh, friends in Paris because I lived in France for a couple of years and lovely to catch up with them as well. So rather unusually during our, our times, I was able to follow all the protocol and get back and forth uh, all nice and safely with those, those two destinations, which was absolutely brilliant. And then uh, really, really fortunate that my parents were here uh, visiting from Canada. And uh, so I was able to uh, spend some time with them. They were at hours over Christmas time uh, as well. So lots of time with people, which is the, the most important thing about using the holiday time to see the people we love. So as a Canadian then who spent some time living in Italy, some time living in, living in Paris, and now you're living in the UK, you, you appear to be quite well traveled. Are there any other places you've been to around the world? I have, I've been having, I've had a very, very lucky life. I've had a lot of opportunities to travel. As a young man, I had this crazy idea of mountain biking across Asia, which I was able to do for about six months, which was not always fun, but it was an incredible learning experience and really humbling experience as well. If you can imagine, you know, you know, mountain biking up to these tiny villages in Nepal and uh, being treated, you know, kind of like a rock star. And I have so many photos from the time of, of children, you know, riding my mountain bike around the squares and just the, the wonderful welcome that I got from families there. Um, so I, I've had a lot of time to, to do some traveling, uh, a lot of time in Asia and a lot of time, of course, um, traveling in, uh, in Canada and America. I was able to live in British Columbia on Vancouver Island for a year of my life, again, as a younger man before responsibilities of career and family, and uh, which is also a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I'm always saying to my, my senior students, you know, you know life, is, life is long. I know they're growing up in an era that, where they, they can feel so many pressures, you know, with, with the pandemic, with the economy, all of these things, but really encouraging them to be positive, to be optimistic, to take risks, and to get out there into the world and to, you know, to travel, to see the world, to really try to use 
the opportunities that they have. So yes, in answer to your question, I've had a very lucky life and lots of opportunities to travel. Awesome. I mean, it sounds fantastic. It really does. Let's just jump back to Toronto then. I'm going to make a guess then that you had your own education in Toronto. Is that right? That's right. I was able to spend quite a few years getting uh, accumulating four university degrees in Canada while I was there. And my PhD is from uh, the University of Toronto. And while I was there, I, I had um, an incredibly fortunate mix of, of jobs in education. Uh, I was able to, at the University of Toronto, teach in what you would call here the PGCE program, so the new teachers. And that was really, really rewarding. You know, these bright, bright and really committed young people just going into education and really working with them was incredibly rewarding. And in addition to that, I was able to do some some research in my particular area, which is critical theory and English literature, which is really fun. And something else that the University of Toronto runs is an experimental secondary school for students the same age as the range here at QEH, who are exceptionally academic, academically able. And, and again, that was an unusual, very enriched environment that uh, was, again, really, really, really rewarding. So in terms of my own education as a university student and then teaching at the university and the PGCE students and the secondary school students, it was a, a really rich mix of, of experiences that I, I feel, um, hopefully, I'm able to, to draw on that range in my work here at QEH. And I think some of the deep convictions I have about the nature of education come from that, that wide range of, of experiences in, uh, in education. So as director of the Scholars Programme then, just tell us in a snapshot, first of all, what the Scholars Programme is, what it's all about, so that other people can understand, maybe people who are listening to this who, who haven't heard of it, or maybe they have heard of it, but they don't know much detail about it. Sure, with pleasure. It's really important to realise that the Scholars Programme fits in with the, the approach to education that we have here at QEH. I mean, QEH is not an exam factory school. It's not, although the students do fantastically well academically, they have fantastic examination results at GCSE and A-level, and the vast majority get into the university program of their choice. QEH is not fundamentally about that. It really is a small enough school, a nurturing enough school, so that education can be individual. And the scholars program fits into that ethos of the school and in that case just as you may have in music some students who are exceptionally gifted musically who need different strategies for support than students who well maybe like me who aren't necessarily so gifted musically and just as that's also true in physical activities and in sports where you're going to have some students who just have so many gifts and they need something different to stretch and challenge them as, again, maybe someone like me who isn't so gifted in those areas would need. The same is true of academics. So for the main academic subjects, English, mathematics, sciences, humanities, social studies, there will still be a group of students who are exceptionally able with those academic skills. And, And I feel really passionately that those students need different kinds of support to keep them interested, to keep them engaged, to keep them stretched and challenged. And that's why for the 13 years that I've been at QEH, I've really tried to develop a range of different strategies and resources to try to meet the needs of those students. I see. Okay. And what age does a pupil at QEH need to be to qualify for part of the Scholars Programme? Sure. We start the program in year seven. We usually wait until the end of the first half term, so October half term, 
for the students to settle in before taking a look at their different range of abilities. And we always find within a, a year group, you know, if the year groups are tend to be somewhere between 70 and 100, depending on the year, that there will be a small number, maybe 8 to 10 percent, who are really exceptional all around academically. And for those students, I feel really, really passionately that in order to keep them stretched, engaged, and interested in their own educations through the years that they go through at QEH, there are strategies, resources, and enrichment activities that they can be involved in. The real goal, Simon, in this program is we want those really able, really bright students to be engaged and to enjoy the learning that they're having. And if we can try to provide some enrichment academically for them, that will help further that goal because then eventually they'll become fantastic contributors to their communities, whether they're their communities at QEH or as they go on to universities, professional careers. We want them to really feel that they can take ownership of their, mm -hmm. of their journey, of their education, and that they can really end up being fantastic contributors because they have such exceptional abilities. And that's, that's the aim of the program. So when you mentioned the 8 to 10 percent, is that 8 to 10 percent who, who become part of the program or 8 to 10 percent who are able to apply for it and then you take a selection of those? Sure. The, the answer to that is, is, is the first. It's usually you know, 8, 9, 10 percent of the year group that really seem to consistently demonstrate that academic ability across, across a wide range of subjects. Of course, you'll inevitably have students who are really brilliant or really gifted in one or two subjects. And mm. then the best kind of support we can give them is actually subject specific. So if you have mm. someone who's just a, an absolute genius in maths to really stretch and challenge them, you might want to give them extended activities in maths. And of course, our maths department's fantastic at doing that, as the other departments are as well. But for the mm. ones who are all round academic, you know, super high achievers, we select them based on a number of differing criteria, how well they did on the entrance exam, of course. We talk to their individual teachers in year seven in that first half term, you know, who are the ones who really seem to be pushing beyond just the, the regular activities and levels of achievements. And we, we look at that range of students, and each year that small group is able to really develop a kind of camaraderie in doing enrichment activities. And I do a wide range of different things with them. I will do enrichment days out. So to give you just a couple of examples, with the year sevens last year, I did a day where we looked at the, the underlying mythology and genius of Pixar films hmm. and Japanese anime films. And, you know, the reason that Pixar films are so brilliant, and of course they know all the Pixar films, um, the reason that they're so brilliant is because we in the audience, whether children or adults, we understand the story patterns, what I call the underlying mythology. So in Toy Story, the Toy Story films, for instance, we all know, you know, what a character like Woody is in terms of being a hero and a good guy, what a character like Buzz is and all the others. But then, Pixar will play with that. They're all toys. And so we get the humor and the appreciation and the enjoyment and the sheer fun because we know the story patterns, and yet there's a twist. They're all toys. Same is true in, in The Incredibles, for instance. You know, we all know what superheroes are like and all that. But, I mean, in the first Incredibles, Mr. Incredible, he's like washed up, middle-aged, and he has to go through all of those things, and he really, in the end, discovers himself. So again, although we understand how superhero movies work, they play with the format. That's what makes it funny. And it works because we understand the story patterns. 
But when I take the students and introduce them to Japanese anime, all of a sudden they realize, hang on here. If you look at it, a film like Spirited Away, if you look at a film like Howl's Moving Castle, these are films where the underlying story patterns, character archetypes, mythologies are different. It's、mm-hmm. not universally applicable. We need to learn something about that culture to have some kind of appreciation. So I take an entire day with the students and we look at how Pixar works, how Japanese anime works, and then we have one of our local cinemas, the Watershed Cinema. Give us a private screening of the most famous of the Japanese anime film, Spirited Away, as an ending, you know, as a sort of wrap up for,、mm-hmm. for the day. And so, for the students, coming back to you know, the reason for the program, if they do a day out like that, they really get a chance to, to stretch. They really get a chance to be challenged with concepts that are, that are more complex, that are more culturally rooted than we would normally be able to do in the classroom, you know, within a, a series of lessons. And,、mm. and that's something that's really fun. And, and as well, they really develop a dynamic among themselves where they learn that they can just you know, let it all out, let their answers flow out without having to worry about what someone might think about all their crazy ideas that they've got. And they really bond together when you do an entire day like that. And they really、mm. learn from one, from one another. And they really learn to respect. Different points of view. I always say to them that the person in the room from whom you stand to learn the most is the person who thinks most differently than you. You know、mm-hmm. that everyone in this room is incredibly able, incredibly bright, will have a lot to say. But when someone says something that you think, oh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so, no, no, that's when you need to listen. Because that's、mm. when you stand to learn. So, in addition to the actual content, you know, the Pixar, the Japanese anime, they learn how to learn. From one another and to develop a kind of mutual respect. And by the end of the day, they're so bonded together and they've had great fun. So, that's the kind of thing that one of the components of the program is having an enrichment, an academic enrichment day on, well, in this case, a, a subject like comparative mythology between you know, Pixar, an example of Western animation, and the different Japanese anime like,、um, like Studio Ghibli for,、uh, for that kind of cultural background. Okay, so I, I, I believe that every day is a school day, and some of the parents listening to this right now, this is a good learning opportunity for them as well, because I imagine that most parents have heard of, of, have heard of a lot of the Pixar films, but they, even though they may have heard of a Japanese anime kind of concept, they probably don't know films like Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle and things like that. And it may well be that if they looked at them for the first time, they might struggle to. Come on board with them because they are very different to a lot of the Western productions that are made. So, how could a parent kind of get onto the same page as their children if there's a parent listening to this and their child is interested in Japanese anime but they kind of struggle to get their head around that concept? I love that line that you've just said. Every day is a school day because I use the same one with my own students. And that maybe another line that corresponds well is from Mark Twain, where he said, you know, never let Your schooling interfere with your education. Because what we're really interested in here, not just in the scholars program, but at QEH, is education. We're really good at schooling, but schooling isn't the same thing as education. And all days, as you say, are school days. Because what it's really about is not just learning individual subjects, which are well and good and intrinsically worthwhile, it's learning how to learn and learning how to maintain curiosity. Interest and engagement with the world. So, if you're looking at something like 
Japanese anime, the most important thing to do right away is immerse yourself in the experience. Watch a famous Studio Ghibli film and ask questions because rather than teaching students how to answer questions that we've posed for them, various hurdles they have to leap over or hoops they have to leap through or whatever metaphor you like, it's much more important to learn what questions are there to ask. And so I think if one immerses oneself in a piece of art, whether you're looking at a painting, listening to a, a symphony, or in fact, a film like Studio Ghibli, the first thing is, hang on, what questions do I want to ask here? And then, once you've got a list of questions, where might I go to answer some of those questions? And of course, the first resources, the most important, are always the human resources. Who do I know? that might know something about this culture, about cinema, about animation, I might go and look them up and try to find an answer there as well. And for students, I always encourage them. I say, look around this room, whether it's a group of scholars or whether it's you know my year 10 English uh, students that I was just teaching the Scottish play with. In this room is an a treasure trove of resources, knowledge. Look around, ask. You've got a mm. question, I don't understand. Why, why is everything that funny shade of like blue-green? And it's like, well, who knows? What is blue-green? What significance does it have in that tradition? Oh, wow, I understand. Now, in our tradition, when we see red, we tend to use red for these kinds of things. Red is fire, red is danger, uh, red is alert. But red in another culture might have a different significance. So if mm. you can find the questions to ask, then branch out and try to find the answers, and starting always with the human resources. So I hope that helps in terms of that response. No, it does very much so. Very much so. It certainly helps me, and hopefully it'll help other people that are listening to this right now. One last question about the Scholars Program. Why is it so important for QEH to have this kind of program? Or if I was being slightly cynical, is it just a marketing effort in order to you know, attract more prospective parents to school? I think what's really important for parents is to try to find the school that is the best fit for their son, or in the case of the sixth form, son or daughter. I mean, that's what's really important. I'm a parent as well, and I've had to go through that with my own son, trying to find, you know, what school is the best fit. And one of the things that, that we, among many, that we do at QEH is trying to make sure that we have the enrichment in place, the inspiration in place, and the team of people, because that's the most important thing in place, mm. to try to nurture and encourage those abilities in different students. Because not every school is the best fit for every student. So one of the things that we've tried to do over the 13 years that I've been here is, is for students who are academically very able, who will just pick up things so quickly, who in terms of exam results, we already know they're going to get A stars on all their GCSEs by the time they're in year seven. That's not the point. The point is to try to stretch and challenge those students and try to have a number of activities that they can do that will mean that they grow, that they get the most out of their education. You know, every day is a school day, the days they spend here, but then the days they spend when they're not here, but with some of, hopefully, some of those habits, enthusiasms, energies that have been encouraged while they are here. So I would say we're trying to meet the needs 
of some of those kids, just as we do in music, just as we do in, in sport, physical education, and trying to make sure that we've got something in place that will really keep those students engaged, interested, sparking, enthusiastic about mm. their education. So really to come back to your question, it's more trying to meet the needs of ranges of different um, of students. And I think that of the different things that we have in place here at QEH, that scholars program does cover a lot of those things. We also give them the opportunity to do their own research, to do their own projects. So all the students in the scholars program each term pick a topic that they're passionately interested in and they go and do research in that topic. It could be something very scientific. We had one student looking at Einstein's theory of relativity and, and he wanted to find out everything about it. And he did an incredible amount of research and then came back and presented that to others in his physics class in this particular case and also to the other scholars as well. And he had a chance to find out about something that he was passionate about, being driven for that. We've had students create or design their own. One, you know, one was fascinated about different species of birds that during the pandemic were coming to you know, their home and he designed different kinds of bird feeders to see what kinds of birds would come to each one because he just had all of these burning questions hmm. about you know, the nature of the wildlife he was being able to pay more attention to do because he was stuck at home rather than being at school. So he designed all this and again, he took photographs and brought them back and showed us and he said, well, this is what I found. You know, I had no idea that this particular feeder would attract these and that these would do these and this one discouraged the squirrels or whatever it was. And, but what I want to do with that is just give them opportunities to, again, ask the questions they're interested in asking, pursue things that they want to pursue in addition to all of the challenges that we, you know, that we set for them. It's taking ownership for their own education because I want them to be lifelong learners, Simon. I mean, that's what it's really mm. all about, that they're interested in the world around them and they've got the skills but also the, the enthusiasm, the energy to pursue those things that sounds awesome that really does mark we need to bring this episode to a close in a moment however i've been told by a little bird that during the lockdown you were sharing some of your italian food preparation techniques on instagram is this true and if so tell us more about it <laughs> okay hands up guilty it is true but i have to point the finger you know where did this come from tom appleby who directs our enrichment program, the, the program that the students do on the Thursday afternoons. I mean, he, he is incredible. The range of activities that the students get all over for enrichment is, is just fantastic. One of the things that I do for wider enrichment in the school is, uh, because I'm an Italian speaker and lived in Italy for a long time, is I teach an Italian course, an, Ita an introduction to Italian for the sixth form students. And then I take them to um, Siena, where I used to live, and Florence. And we, we have a, a lovely trip there and they get to use of course and put into place their italian language um, but of course we couldn't do that during the lockdown and so tom appleby said you know is there something italian that you could do in terms of an instagram post or anything and i wanted to do something where it would be interesting and fun for the students but something that they could take away and do as well and so uh, i tried i tried i thought i would just do one you know instagram post of you know cooking you know italian cooking and cooking a particular italian recipe and and you could do this at home and i tried to put it together it was really quite short but just put the different steps together and i had no i was not prepared for the response which was quite overwhelming but after all the follow-up and all the likes and all of this uh, inevitably i was asked could, could you possibly do another one 
And then it went from there into there. And then I tried to expand, you know, cooking, how to make Italian coffee at home, how to bake real Italian biscotti at home and all kinds of other recipes. And it sort of took on a life of its own. But the most important thing is for the students, it gave them just a connection with that passion and learning for, you know, Italian language, Italian culture, Italian food, and also something to try um, at home. I got a lot of feedback on their own, <laughs> on their own, and sometimes from the parents, you know, he made this, it was fantastic. Um, we think he really needs to be cooking at least once a week for us. Can you please provide some more, uh, some more Instagram uh, you know, cooking videos? So it was really fun, and, uh, but it, it developed into something <laughs> far beyond uh, what, I'd, uh, what I'd anticipated uh, it might, but I, I, it was good fun. Well, it sounds like it was for sure. And I, I imagine that some people listening to this right now might be wondering what that Instagram account is. Do you mind sharing it with us? <laughs> it's all on the QEH Instagram. Um, so it's not specific to me. You know, when Tom Appleby had set up this, uh, re- I mean, amazingly diverse, and the students posted tons of fantastic stuff on there uh, and some of the staff uh, as well. And so it's just in amongst that. It's not separate uh, to me in any way. It's on the QEH uh, Instagram. Understood, understood. And if anyone's heard anything on this episode and they want to, wanted to find out more about the Scholars Programme, what's a good way for them to get in touch with you about it? There are really two things they can do. On the school website, there is a, a separate brochure, a, a PDF file um, with, with lots of, of glossy pictures as well that's specifically about the Scholars Programme. And they can certainly find, they can find that. And of course, if, if they're looking and they can't find, just contact the school and they'll tell you exactly what the link is there as well. And, and they can certainly email me through the, uh, through the school. So if they just send an email to the school that's directed to me, um, I'm of course happy to answer any questions that they might, um, that they might have. That's great. Well, look, Mark, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for opening up this world to us and sharing it with parents listening to this right now. Thank you. Cheers, Simon. An absolute pleasure to speak with you. All the best. So that was Dr. Mark Dutton, Director of the Scholars Programme at QEH. A big thank you to Mark for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Now, you can find out more information about the Scholars Programme via the school website. And if you happen to be interested in Mark's Italian cookery lessons, then be sure to check out the QEH Instagram account. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.